What if you did work? What if you took action and made it happen and started living inside of your purpose? What if you did work? Right now you can make the choice to never listen to that negative voice no more. The hardest prison to escape is our own mind. I was trapped inside that prison all for a long time. To make it happen, you gotta take action. Just imagine what if it did work? All righty. Well, gosh, it's 2022 already and another great episode. I know it's, I'm saying it's 2022, but by the time this airs, it's going to be like in February or March. <laughs> but, but technically right now, right here, right now, we're, we're filming. I think it's in the middle of January. You're, you're actually yeah. my, my, my first taping of 2022, by the way, Rachel. Oh, wow. I feel honored. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I got hit by the, by the Omicron and all that. So I, I was out of commission. Oh, wow. for, oh that, that's okay. I, I survived. I think it was a 99.99% survival rate. <laughs> I, I, I'm still uh, here. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've, I've survived Corona twice. I've, it's, it's nothing. Uh, I, I've had worse hangovers, worse breakups. <laughs> than that. Well, before before we start, I'd, I'd like like to say thank you, thank you for for being here. Just because I I love who you are, I love who your partner represent and all that. I I only try to align with people that are like minded that that want to see positive change and all that. I I know Rachel. I a first time that we've ever spoken, but I know you have a partner and I've, I've been on your, your other podcasts. So yeah. you, you guys, you have two podcasts. I'm, I'm like, I, that makes me want to go throw down and do another podcast, you know? Well, so actually, so last year in 2021, we did have two podcasts. So we were looking at our client base and we work with education institutions, but we also work with entrepreneurs and nonprofits. And so we developed two podcasts because we kind of thought, you know, our education audience would only want to hear about educators and then business would only want to hear about business. But we found a lot of um, just things that overlapped. And so we took those two podcasts and relaunched for this year. And now we just are keeping it simple. And we have the In Pursuit podcast and we have leaders from all across the different sectors that we serve. Um, and we asked them, you know, some of the questions are similar. So if you're an education leader and you're listening to a business leader, you might learn something even that kind of crosses over. So we're excited about that. Okay. So you're the artist formerly known. You guys are <laughs> the, the Becoming Congruent podcast. So that's no more. It's only the in pursuit research. And you're, it, it's going to be, it, here's something weird, a little weird fact about me is I've, I've been aligned with educators and all that. It not, I mean, I, I have a master's degree, not that I ever wanted to be a professor, but yeah. I, I guess when it comes to entrepreneurs and what we do is we do teach. And, but the, my current girlfriend is in the world of academia and a previous one. And it seems like after I got a divorce, uh, you know, academia is the way I've, I don't know whether it's coincidence or, but then again, there are no coincidences in life. <laughs> well, they definitely overlap. And we we looked back and, and thought it was funny because while each podcast kind of had its own um, audience and it served its own purpose, we were like, why didn't we separate those? Because Melanie and I have both been educators and are in education leadership, but then we're also entrepreneurs. So we're like, there has to be a lot of people like us that 
And you definitely learn when you're not just learning about your own area of expertise. So we decided to kind of merge it all together because people in education also need to acquire business skills and people in business can learn from educators. So we're really excited about that. So you and your partner, you guys have been only together about eight or nine months, right? We have. So Melanie, um, I work with Dr. Melanie Hicks and she actually started in pursuit and it's been, it's transformed over time, but she actually started it over 10 years ago and was kind of doing it as a side business. And so she was working as a, as a vice provost at university of Tampa and was getting some, you know, requests to do some, some, some consulting work. And so over the years, like she would do projects and do them on her own and, she never really had like a lot of direction for it. And she'll tell you, like, it was just like for fun, I would do things under my own LLC. Um, and then in early 2021, she, we had been working both at the same consulting firm and she left and decided to really take in pursuit and really focus in on it and, and do her own thing. And shortly after I, I left and joined her. So we've partnered up and we've been together. Yeah. About, about eight months. Well, you know, Melanie's very humble in the sense that she she's never said she, never once was she like, I'm Dr. Hicks. Exactly. Exactly. I had to shout it out because, you know, it's it's definitely a, a huge thing. But yeah, she's just she's Melanie. And um, even for some of her students at University of, of Denver, she's Coach Mel. Definitely very humble person, but but very talented, very driven. And, and she's yeah, no, that, that that's that's funny as heck, because. I mean, I've got a master's degree in, in journalism. It, it's yeah. not nothing. But I, I always told people if I ever wanted to get a doctoral degree in journalism and broadcast journalism, I'd be like, hey, just call me Dr. Madrona <laughs> or Dr. <laughs> Dr. Obama. And I said, I'm not, you know, I, I, that's a title earned. But, you know, it probably until the reason. So are you what what medical expert are you? Well, I'm a doctor in communication. Dr. Oh, yeah. The, the academia and the world missed out, missed out on that. And what I love about you guys is that to me, it's also a lot of educators, though, are like, they have their blindfolds on. They're like, we are in education. We are in this because we love to teach. We are educators. We're not about the money. This is why we became educators and all that. And, and they have this, like they wear it with like a badge, like don't right. mess with us. It's like, we went to seminary school. We, we <laughs> wanted that life of poverty. And, you know, while there's other, there's plenty of teachers that I know, educators that do have a side hustle. Absolutely. And it's, it has to do with the simple fact that, you know, it, uh, to me, it's, it's very, it's very similar. Cor corporate America, that you, you know, you have to. There's, there's a leader, and then there's a boss. The boss is the person. Oh, I'll do this. Here, here's, here's your a two hundred page book on what you cannot do for HR and all that, and I'll have you under my thumb. And then there's the leader that instructs, that inspires, that pushes their team to go way past their their limits to go past their own to create a better future for themselves for the company etc just like a teacher and you know an educator there's two types of educators there there's a person i don't care if it's in any realm of academia whether it's elementary all the way to college 
here, turn to page 50. We are going to read. And it's like, <laughs> well, why didn't I just stay home, get the book and, you know, call me when, when the midterm and the finals is right. that. And then there's others that, yeah, you have to buy the book because, you know, LSU, might as well throw LSU, shout out, UM, where I got my <laughs> master's. We need, we need you to buy these books, but we won't open them. And, you know, let me show you, let me inspire you, let me teach you, let me wow you. And, and that's, that, that's the type of teachers, that, that's the type of instructors. Well, if, if you think about it, when, when it comes to business leadership, personal development leadership, to me, those are like the Anthony Robbins. Those are like you guys. I, I mean, I, I heard one on you, you guys, um, one of your podcasts, the, the principal. Um, oh, we've had a couple. One of them might have been Nathan. Uh, we've had a, we've had quite a few K through 12 principals. And, and, you know, growing up, the only thing that I remember of principal is this is the principal on how to do something. <laughs> and the principal, P-A-L, because he's your pal. <laughs> it was sexist back then. I, I, because, you know, before, nowadays you would have to say he or she, but, you know, I, I'm old. So at being 48, you know, in elementary school, it was old. I, I believe they wanted to, there, there was no PC movement back there. So he, I remember they would always say the Prince of Paul, he is always your friend. Yeah, I feel like I remember that from elementary school, too. And you made up some really good points that resonated with me when you were just talking about that. Like, I feel like there's something that's instilled when someone's going through and getting a degree in education that like, yes, it's a, it is a service, um, career, right? Like you're serving others. You have to have that heart for, especially if you're in K-12 helping children learn and grow and not even just like learn the academics, but just be an amazing citizen in life. But I also, it's frustrating to me that kind of comes with, well, we just have to accept that we're not going to make a lot of money. And if you aspire to make more money, then you're not a great teacher or you're a bad person. And I love that, you know, we've, as teachers, if you've ever been a classroom teacher, you've had a side hustle because you have to make more money. I mean, in order to do things that you want to do, if you want to travel or, you know, buy a house and those kind of things, like the, the base salary for a teacher is, is very low. And so I'm, what I'm really glad about is that now I feel like people are more empowered where in the past, when I was in the classroom, it was like, oh, if you got another job and you were bartending, you kind of felt bad about yourself because you're like, oh, I really got to hustle to make ends meet. And now people are starting, you know, a side business or, you know, doing something on the side, but they're empowered to do that. And they feel confident about doing that. And a lot of teachers are becoming entrepreneurs, whether that's like doing something totally different from teaching. That's just like a skill or a passion that they love, or they're taking some of their teaching skills and utilizing those and do becoming an independent consultant or, you know, working for multiple companies as curriculum reviewers. And I love that that's something that now is, you know, people are being more empowered to do that instead of saying, you know, being embarrassed to say like, Oh, I'm doing this business on the side because I'm not making enough money. So that is one thing that I'm, I love that that's becoming more of the norm. Well, the one thing with instructors that always, if you notice, they they go outside the realm of like the service industry, like the bartender, the server and all that. And they go strictly for sales, for commission, whether yeah. and if it's a Kumon or, or something similar to that, that's sales because you have to 
you, you have to find these kids. You have to find them and go, hey, you want better grades? Come to my store, come to my location and all that. Yeah. Or they become mortgage brokers on the side. They'll, they become realtors and all Absolutely. that. And that's fascinating because they go from one extreme for that salary to the other extreme, which is you get paid for your results. And, and that to me, and, and a, a teacher knows how to handle an instructor, an educator has to talk to everybody and anybody, especially when you're in a public school. Oh, yeah. when you are when you are a teacher, if you are a dynamic, successful teacher, you are running your own business with your classroom. You have, I mean, there was one year where I taught a double class with another teacher. We had 40 kids in one room, kindergartners. So you have potentially 20 to 40 to, if you're in high school, over 200 kids that you are accountable for, but you're not just teaching, you're managing their day, you're managing the relationships with the, their parents, you're managing relationships, you're managing up to your leadership. And you're designing what that whole experience looks like. And so I think you're right. Like a lot of those, I think there's a lot of teachers that feel like, oh, I'm just a teacher or I only have a degree in education. And I always, um, you know, challenge them to say, no, let's look at the skills that you have, because there's a lot of critical thinking and independence. You're alone all day making decisions. You don't have people in an office environment to bounce those things off. You, you're, you're the one person that can make decisions, make them quickly, and you're doing that all day long. And it's funny that you said you talked about some of those other um, areas, because my first job, and I, I don't think it really many people know this, when I was a teacher, I had my landlord actually owned an auto auction. And when I met him, he was like, what do you do for a living? And I told him I was a teacher and he said, well, you should be in sales. And I was like, what sales? Like I'm not in sales. I love teaching. And so he convinced me there were a couple of years in a row where he was like, you need to come work for me for the summer. And I was like, no, I, I'm not, I don't know how to do sales. I'm not a salesperson. Cause in my mind, I was like, you know, what would I sell? So he finally convinced me and I worked for him for one summer probably made double what of what my normal salary is, um, you know, not for the whole year, but in that summer of those three months, three months of teaching and three months of that, I made probably double and realized like, oh, I do have the skill set for this. Like you have to be congenial with people. You have to be dynamic. You have to, you know, convince others like half of teaching is persuading kids to do what you want them to do. Right. So I think a lot of teachers naturally do fall into realty and sales and all of these other areas because they you're performing and selling all day long. So you're right about that. Well, you have to not only do you have to persuade the children <laughs> the students and all that, but then you have to deal with parents that a lot of times parents feel like <sighs> that their kid is the next Nobel Peace Prize winner. That their, their kid's the next He's going to cure cancer, he or she, that this and that. Or how, what do you mean my, my kid's disrupting the class? He's an amazing <laughs> student. Are you trying to say that I did a horrible job raising our child in this and that? And, and especially now, there's, there's even more a, a different dynamic of the, the single parent. Because right. growing up, I mean, I was an outlier. I, I, I looked and felt different. Starting at elementary, I was one of the only kids that came from divorced parents all the way. When I was in high school, it was like 50, 60% of everybody I knew was divorced. But, you know, before it was that dynamic of, you know, the, 
the it, what what did we do wrong and all that now you know oh my kid's a disruptor it's got to be the it's, it's got to be dad's fault or it's got to be <laughs> perfect you know yeah 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 you, you have to place blame on the other parent you know well i only had the kid 50 percent of the time you know it's amazing <laughs> with me I, I i don't know what he or she's doing with whomever he or she's dating with and all that but my kid doesn't get like that with me <laughs> well, and it's that's such a good point too, because with every unique student that you work with, it's almost like having a unique client because you know you have to know that student. You need to know what makes them motivated. You have to know about their family life because you have to kind of understand, like, well, what's the root cause of this child's behavior? Oh, it, it might just be because their their parents got divorced and they're going back and forth. And so you have to really understand each person as an individual and make decisions based on that person. And so, I mean, it's just, it is a very complex job and I can see why there's a lot of teachers, especially right now, leaving the field because people want to make more money and they know that they're not potentially getting compensated for what they're doing. Um, well, there's just so many different variables. I mean, right now too, oh, we need to get your child tested for this disorder or that disorder. Gr- growing up, if, if a kid he just disappeared. <laughs> you know, an unruly kid or a kid that was doing bad, it was all thrown on the parent or it was all thrown on the kid. And, you know, they just, they just disappeared. They, which, you know, now that we're more specialized and we know it's, Hey, it, let, let's see what the problem is. It, it can be a learning disability. It can be an environment disability and all that compared to back then when it was like, Hey, you know what? We're we're sending your your kid upstream where wherever the upstream was in the seventies and eighties, or or then or 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 they would oh the horrible to say we 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 all know the same oh where's where's Joey or where's that oh he he rides the short bus now and all that and and you don't have that now but back right. then it was just like you know a, a disappearance if a, if a child was struggling and not and, and granted too. These these classrooms were smaller. My my both my daughters go to a private school, but their first few years were in a public school. When when I went to school, and, and this was in Miami, I didn't grow up anywhere small. My elementary, there was only two kindergarten, two first grade, right. you know, classroom of like 18 kids, 20 kids. Now, nowadays there's like 20 first grade, there's portables, there's this, uh-huh. there's that. And it, it's tough on 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 a, a student as well as a teacher because at least with it with the kid you know there's that use you know you're used to these same 18, 20 people if not you know you see the other twenty during lunch and then you'll you know you might switch up a couple of kids for the following year with a different teacher so we all there was always that consistency always that constant compared to now you don't know what's going to happen you don't know what teacher you don't know. What portable? Yeah, it, right. it, it, it's tough for both not o- not only the student but but the the educator as well. Yeah, and for the parents, I think education continues to be there's as you said a lot more put on the teacher, which in some cases can be beneficial. But at the same time, where in the past you know you may be in a classroom that's self contained and it doesn't have 
you know, ESE students or ESOL students. Now everyone's in one classroom, which is better for, for most students. But now you have teachers now needing to get, you know, specialized training and they may have to work one-on-one with more students and also have people coming into their room to help other students. I mean, it's just, there's a lot to manage in a, you know, quote unquote, traditional classroom now. And I think that there's, there are a lot of skill sets that need to be acquired. And if you find a rock star teacher, um, I, I really hope that school districts start to really think about, you know, how do we retain them? Because like you were saying, they have the skills to go do something where they can be compensated a lot more and use those same skill sets and really advocate for themselves. So but you know, there, there, there's less and less educators, but when you hear people, oh, that person's just a teacher. That person's just an educator. It's right. like, well, they're, they're highly educated. I mean, you, you, we, we, growing up, uh, there's two things that made me smart. The one with the ESOL comment, because I don't know whether you read it yet in the book. I was such an introvert that for the first few years of my life, they had me in ESOL. And I, I know what it stands for, English speakers of another language. And as mm-hmm. you, you can tell, either Dade County Public Schools did such an amazing job with me that I, I have zero accent. <laughs> or the simple fact that I was the super introvert and, you know, single parent, had nobody to talk to. So that, that, that's what it was. And, but, but yeah, and, and, and the second thing is, is like what we were talking about. I, I just, you know... We, we were raised different time that you had to get a degree that or, or you'd be under a bridge. That's what my not only did my mom, she's educated, even though she's a single parent and everybody else, the guidance counselor for junior high. That's how old I am. There, there was no middle school, junior high and high school. It's like, hey, you don't go to college. You know, you're, you're going to be under a bridge and all that. So granted, okay, a, a teacher did everything, an instructor did, an educator did everything, got the, got the degree, but yet now they have to hear from family, friends, from society, oh, oh gosh, what a lazy person, he's only a teacher. I'm sure you, you, you heard that all the time, right? Well, they knew what they were going to get paid. Yeah. And I, I really wish that we could move the needle on making change there, especially after, you know, the pandemic. And I'm hoping that I know that school administrators are seeing it, but I'm hoping parents too realize now that when, you know, during the pandemic, when they had to be isolated and parents were having to kind of actually get a window into and see what the teachers are doing because their kids are, are at home and they were having to help manage, um, hopefully got a little bit more insight into it. And I also know parents that you know, really do respect teachers and they have a lot of, um, you know, empathy and, and true respect for the profession. But I think it's, I think it's really interesting. And I think that going back to what you said at the beginning, like, I think it's really cool that we're in an age where no matter what your profession is, that if you want to be an entrepreneur, whether it's on the side, or if you want to move into that and you have the skill set, do it. You know, it's something that I think a lot of people are worried or scared about, And it's just, you got to take a step, whether it's, you know, deciding to take a little step every day for a month and coming up with a plan or, you know, meeting with a mentor or something like that. But there's so many opportunities if you aren't happy in your career, or if you are, and you just want to make more money. Well, it's, it's great. Just in the simple sense that it's become an everyday term to get, to get a side hustle. 
And yeah. you know what? There's whether it's because of the podcast or whether because it was that book and all that, by all means, you know, there's 24 hours a day. There's plenty of opportunity. So there's, you know, instead of watching four hours of Netflix, instead of watching Yellowstone season one through four <laughs> or whatever, and, and saying you're on team back or you're on team whatever, the Duttons this and that, <laughs> or, you know, sitting down waiting for, I think, a new season of the Ozarks is coming. So everybody has the same amount of hours in the day, same amount of time. It's just time management. You can't just be watching TV nonstop and then go, oh, yeah, you know, if only I had more time. Right. I mean, the pandemic gave everybody all around the world three months off. The perfect opportunity to create a side hustle, to answer answer a problem of the world, you know, create a new program, create something, create a new side hustle, change your life, find your soulmate, lose weight, write war and peace. Because I mean, if you, you, you started out just one page a day, you'd have like a, a <laughs> after the pandemic, like a 400, 500 page. But yet the only thing that people found out was that they knew who the Tiger King was and that they're on team Joe exotic or, or someone else. And it's like, <laughs> But I thought you needed more time. All you all, all you did was you got Reed Hastings and you got Netflix stock to go up because that's what you spent with this time <laughs> that God in the universe gave you. <laughs> well, and I I think that that's so important to say because I just, you know, I used to say, and especially when I was working in an office setting and more of like a corporate setting, and I would say, I would get frustrated and say, well, I don't have time for this or I don't have time for that. And I took a step back and I was like, I am the one that's, allowing work to flow into this, you know, these boundaries that I don't have, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think it's important to kind of, when you say I don't have time to step back and say, I'm not willing to make time for this. So if you're, if you decide to watch Netflix all day on a Saturday, that's your choice. And maybe that's enjoyable for you, but then being accountable to yourself and honest with yourself to say, like, I didn't make time for the thing that I wanted to do or the thing that I should do instead of I didn't have time. And I've tried to really, you know, incorporate that into my day too, because there are times when you choose to say, you know what, tonight, I'm just going to shut things down and watch the, ten- probably not for me, the Tiger King, because I live in Tampa and it's just. <laughs> well, I live south of you. And it's funny because close. <laughs> I love Tampa. It's one of my favorite cities. And I've been there since the Tiger King and I've never wanted to see Carol. It's not, I mean, Florida is so beautiful. Why would I want to watch some uh, some goofy old lady <laughs> say, "Hey, cool cats and cool kittens"? But the I, one thing, yeah. as an entrepreneur, you gotta love this about Carol: <laughs> free labor. That's the one thing I I got. You could tell I'm always thinking of the entrepreneurial spirit. Was watching that show, and the people in Tampa, they're like, "Well, it de- depended on the color of your shirt." If if you stayed there for more than two years, they gave you Carol would give you a different shirt. And after like four years of working for free, free, mind you, she might know your name. And that's that's where the payoff. But that that's that's when the beauty happened. And it was like, holy smokes, talk about. I mean, I did it wrong for 20 years. I actually started paying. I had to pay people. If only to gain I some could, of your respect. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 
if, if I would have printed, yes, granted a franchise, but my franchisee never visited me all the time. I would have printed special shirts and I would have been like, I won't give you a raise. I really won't pay you, but you'll, you'll be able to hang out here and all that. And if you do a great job, I might know your name. I might acknowledge you. I might say hello. <laughs> yeah. She really, she really enticed them in with her. Um, exactly. But value. I was just, watching that, you you would have wanted to go to Oklahoma either to go visit. It's, it's not like any of these places where like in Malibu or, or you know, it's like Oklahoma. And I, I think the other guy, they, they actually made another um, documentary on uh, uh, the guy that pretended to be into the metaphysical and uh, yoga and all that out in the middle of like Virginia or somewhere. But you know what? To to revisit something, the reason why things change with, with you is because you changed your vocabulary. You changed your words. A person that says, I don't have enough time. That's so limiting. That's like the person that says, I suck. Or bad things always happen to me. Or Absolutely. why me? Why me? The, the Nancy Kerrigan. Why me? Why me? You, 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 you know, it, it's, it's grand fine. If somebody wants to do nothing every weekend or they only live for Friday, Saturday and Sunday. But as long as they acknowledge that the reason why they're where at, they're at is because of the lack of action that they've taken and all responsibility lies upon them but more than likely they still want to play victim and they want to point fingers and go it's my boss it's this if only i would have gotten a a c instead of a d in biology they usually this person plays victim 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 i don't have enough time people are holding me back and we all have to just make better choices and i whenever somebody because you know I'll say weekend warriors, you know, <laughs> some people get, 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 you know, all bent and twisted and all that. Well, did, did I ever take off a weekend or this and that? Yeah. But as an entrepreneur, you, you guys are entrepreneurs. You, you guys have wore, had to work weekends. You, oh, you absolutely. Have, yes. It's, it, it, it's, it's not something bad. And yes, d- dating educators or, or dating people that, that, that aren't entrepreneurs. They're, you know, they, they have, they have their weekend off. So, Hey, people busted me. I I would have to do stuff on the weekends or, you know, my, my daughters do go to the arch, uh, archdiocese of Miami has them going to school Monday to Friday. So yes, I do things on the weekends with, with my daughters, but you'll always hear either. uh, I, I, I don't I, I don't know whether it's Madison Avenue that made us all want to live for the weekends. <laughs> I that. don't know what it is either, but I just feel like, um, you know, there's a misconception, I think sometimes where when people look at even just what Melanie and I do, like I have a lot of people that have said like, oh, you're so lucky or it must be so nice. And I, and I do get that because there are people that I think are in a position where they aren't ready to leave maybe a role that they're not happy with anymore, or maybe they're still working towards that. So it's not always a negative thing. They are seeing, you know, the great side of it. But I think what also people don't understand is, you know, just because we are working for ourselves and that might lead to a little bit more flexibility, 
it doesn't mean that we're working fewer hours than we did in a corporate space. You're working a lot more hours, but you're working towards something that you know that every task and every initiative that you're working on is for your own business, which I think when you're when you have an internal or intrinsic motivation, you're willing to spend that time. So I think that there is a misconception there sometimes, but you you have to be willing to be self-motivated and put in the hours. And like you said, it might be on nights and weekends, but then there's a reward in, in not having to, you know, work for someone else. So one of the things though, it's maybe it's social media is to blame. Because when I, I was married to my she was my business partner. We created an empire and all that. So on social media, it, hey, I want you to see my kids and all that. Yeah. And that's, I want to see other people's kids and all that. And yeah, we we started going on on you know trips to Europe, the Mediterranean cruise, the Alaskan cruise, or I, I, we would go to Vegas at Caesar's Palace, shop here and there. And it was always what you just said. So you're so lucky. But mm-hmm. they didn't, they saw the the Z. They didn't see the A through the X and Y. And people don't understand. There's no overnight success. There's no microwave to success. And there's no luck. I, I mean, nobody. I, it wasn't like I was posting the times that I, I had to unclog a toilet, or <laughs> I, I, I had to learn how to become an electrician, or I had to learn how to fix something, or right. I was working. 60, 70, 80 hour weeks. Nobody was like, hey, Omar, you are so lucky. People just see something. And I've, or I'm sure you've heard this. The reason why I want to become an entrepreneur is so I can have more free time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I I do think social media is, is partially to blame there because it is, it is natural. Like you're, like you said, you're not going to post a picture of yourself, like figuring out how to unclog a sink. I mean, maybe you would, but you're going to post the the moments in your life where you're feeling happy and proud and wanting to share pictures. And a lot of times that is on vacation. And I think that that gives people sometimes a misconception of, well, wow, like his, his life must be so glamorous all the time. It's just like anyone's social media, whether you have two followers or you're a celebrity, 90% of the time, it does not look like that, right? <laughs> unless you, oh, really no, have, no, unless no, you have no. a lifestyle blog or something where you're just being like completely candid and showing all the good and the bad. Like most people's social media is just a, a little snippet of what they're actually doing. Well, with me, my social media, it's always been to educate, motivate, inspire. You know, when I, I went through, I was going through my divorce afterwards. People, well, why didn't you post it? Well, uh, you know, that's, I don't want to, that's not my personality. One, I don't play victim. You know, we all have bad stuff. We all have death. We all have, we, we all have down days. I'm not, I don't want, want to be the in, uh, infector to infect people with negativity. I also don't want the cyber hugs. You know, I, I'm not here for the kudos. I'm like, oh my gosh, Omar got divorced. So, so did plenty of other people. Oh, oh my gosh, he's going through this. So is plenty of people, you know, I, right. I, I've, I've seen people, oh, th- this person's my soulmate. And then like two weeks later, my, my relationship status is complicated or <laughs> he, he or she, or here, let, let, let me post a, a picture of my divorce papers or no, no, no person, no man will ever come before my, my ex-husband. It's just like all this wacky stuff. And it's like, why, 
you know, it's, it's not, well, it also like, it also goes back to your brand. So it's not that you're just in a, you're not a fake positive, like your brand is positivity and, and finding things in life that are, you know, finding the good in things and moving forward in a positive way. So that's your brand and that's stuff that you're going to post. So it wouldn't be in line with your brand if you were posting other things. And I think, you know, there are some people that it may lend towards their brand a little bit more to be a little bit more, you know, show people a window into like those bad days. But, you know, if you're running a professional business, you kind of have to look at your social media and say like, what would be appropriate for me to share with a wider audience? <laughs> well, we, we, we'd make a killing if, if people wanted to hire us. Because I, I know plenty of entrepreneurs that are always posting like, like the opposite of what you're supposed to post. Political posts unless you're Chick-fil-A or unless you're Howard Schultz and Starbucks, you know, I'm going one extreme or the other. Why are you going to turn away any, any, any part of the audience? Everybody, everybody's money is green. And and personally, I could care less. I've never been a political person, but even if I was, I, I would get a big stapler and staple my mouth. And I would step away from the keyboard anytime that I wanted to post something. But right. I see plenty of entrepreneurs. I'm sure you have that post away. Oh, uh, let's go, Brandon. Or, oh, my gosh, Donald Trump is evil and, and hammering their, their social media. It's like, well, you know, either way, you're going you're to upset somebody. And two, you're, you're not a political strategist. You're not a lobbyist. You're, you're not running for... You want a, a, a position in the cabinet. So why are you posting this? And I, I tell other entrepreneurs that my friends and all that, and they look at me like they're crazy. But yet when they're losing members of a gym or when they're losing, you know, market share and all that, it's like, well, check your social media. <laughs> right. That that is so relevant. And actually, right before this call, Melanie and I were um, planning out a professional development that we're doing with a, a women's group. Um, next week. And we had asked them what topic they were most interested in. And they had a couple, but it was overarching. It's building confidence as an entrepreneur. And um, one of the things that I'm highlighting in that presentation is social media, because I think a lot of people, they have this professional website and they have, they list their services and they, you look at that space and you think, okay, wow, this is wonderful. And then you look at their Instagram or Facebook and you think, Oh my goodness. Like it doesn't align because they're not thinking about, they're thinking I need to be professional on LinkedIn, but I I can do whatever I want on some of these other platforms. And even in the way that you respond, like you're going to have people that respond potentially to a photo or a story in a negative way. People aren't really, people are going to see that negative comment but they're really going to see what you, how you respond to that negative comment. And is it in line with your brand? And are you feeding into the negativity or are you brushing it aside? So it sounds so simple, but it is, it is really a strategy that I think a lot of people can benefit from. And that we all see people every day, you know, like you said, posting political posts and, or just posting everything that they do, or, you know, just being really negative. And I'm all for like being real and not having like a fake positive outlook on everything, but you have to really kind of monitor what you're, what you're posting because everything you do is represents your brand. Exactly. Dr. Melanie Hicks, <laughs> Rachel Jones, Omar Maguano. 
where are we entrepreneurs? Yes. I tell people all the time, to me, I'm Omar Madrano LLC. Whatever I do, whatever I post, you know, is a reflection of me. Why, why, why would I want somebody to hire me uh, to be their business coach or, or their woo-woo coach? If you want personal development, I do that. While yet, I'm the exact opposite. I, I'm showing some, I'm, I'm not incongruent. My, my social media, you're right, is all about that. The only thing private that, that I share is because my, my pride and joy, my, my two daughters. And, and wow. my, or, or, you know, the occasional LSU post because, heck, they, they were d- dumb enough, I guess, to accept me. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, that, I think what you're talking about, though, is a balance. Like, you don't want your social media to be boring where people, it's just too oh, scary. Yeah. Like, I'm an entrepreneur. But it's about selecting, like, what parts of your personality can you let shine or share with people? Like, I am all about posting my dogs. I'm obsessed with my golden doodles. Um, oh, that's, that's you. That, that's but that's stuff that people actually yes. want to hear or see. But, or but who are you going to piss off? Is somebody going to be like, my, my daughters have a golden golden doodle named Bailey, an amazing so I, I know. I, I love golden doodles, but let's say I was a cat person, which I'm a, I am I, I love Siamese cats. I'm not going to be like, well, I'm not, I'm not hiring Rachel. I'm not hiring Melanie. The, you, you know, I, I'm a Yorkie type of guy. No, no. That, but, but that's, you're showing, when it comes to that, when it comes to social media, yeah, show the personal side that you want. Because right. if they don't know who you are, you know, there's a million different business coaches. There's a million d- different entrepreneurs. There's a million different plumbers. Be more personable, but use social media to show us why they need to hire us. Why? What? What separates us? You know, yeah, you're the you're the plumber that has an amazing family, and you 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 throw you know dad jokes and you do stuff like that, and, and you like going fishing. That that's fine, but but nobody wants wants to know that you know you're you're anti-Catholic or you're anti this right. and you're anti this group and that that you know it's if if you have those feelings and all that fine, but it doesn't work well when you're trying to get business. If anything, open up a fake account, put a different person, <laughs> create a different persona. The, right. You know, but 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 be Joe the plumber, Joe Bob or whatever, saying that you love everybody, you love kittens, you love you love dogs. Here's here's us going fishing and all that. That yeah, because that shows a human side in you, and, and nobody's competitors actually does that. A lot of times when you see social media and and they're they're having their business posts, I'm the transmission guy, and they'll <laughs> post pictures. Like nonstop a transmission today only today this Thursday come on down and we'll make sure your transmission goes for another fifty thousand miles <laughs> and it's like okay and, and it's not it, it it doesn't inspire anybody to go hey you know what I'll drive out of my way right right and there's so many ways to do that I mean. Like you were saying, bringing parts of your personality in. Like I know when I looked at your social media right away, I was like, "Oh, he loves working out and cycling." And I, you know, I love to work out, and that's just something that 
you share that and it's a personal aspect of you, but then it also is something that shows that you're driven and dedicated, which is also really attractive to your customers. So I think some of the personal things that you bring in, you can be strategic about it to share where people are like, oh, wow, you know, I, I trust him because he, he doesn't just tell me that he's driven and has goals. Like he does because he's posting this and he's showing that he's showing up every day for himself. Right. So I'll, I'll tell you a little secret. <laughs> do you I, not? I, you I, actually don't work out. <laughs> no, no. Unfortunately, I do. I'm just kidding. But, but yes, I've I've completed about a hundred half marathons, twenty five halves, uh, a century ride, four Spartans. The list goes on and on. You see me all the time, and people ask me, "Do I love to do any of that stuff?" The answer is, and here you're the first person whoever downloads. Absolutely not. None of those things are my <laughs> hobbies. It's, uh, all those competitions are not my hobby. What my hobby is, is overcoming obstacles and showing people it, it can be done. I, I was a guy that weighed 50, well, 20 years ago, 50, 60 pounds overweight, never worked out and all that. Uh, in high school, I, I was super thin, um, but zero athletic ability, five foot eight. Uh, um, my fraternity brothers, one of the nicknames besides goose, which is in the book was slow mar because I was the, I tied with like, we had a, a 300 pound dude in the fraternity and a 40 yard dash. So they would call me slow mar. So zero athletic ability. <laughs> so it's always, and what inspired me, I, I, I was at my heaviest when, um, Millie, my ex-wife was at, gave birth to our first daughter, Lauren. And we hired a personal trainer and I'm like, Hey, lost 15, 20 pounds. I'm like, so what do you think? Do you think I can run a half marathon? Yeah. I wasn't thinking full at the time. And he's yeah. like, how far is that? I'm like 13.1 miles. And he looked at me and he laughed. And he said, you will <laughs> never do it. And, and you know, Millie, my ex-wife heard it at the time. And she's like, you have to do a full. And, and that's where I, I lost all the weight. And yeah, I've, I've gained some weight here and there. But yeah, doing all that stuff was always. And now I, I do it. I, I do it too because to me, don't you feel great after working out? Like you're you're in that zone. Like oh, you feel amazing. And I'm the same way. Like I cannot lie and say that I love every workout. And I just I just hit 500 workouts at the the studio that I go to, and I love it. And I you know, know part I, of it, I congratulated you. Yeah, you did. That, that, that and part of it is like, you know, it's fun to kind of like hit those little goals and little milestones. But at the end of the day, it's 500 opportunities to be uncomfortable. And I take classes that I would have never taken five or 10 years ago where, you know, it's a variety of ages and we're doing all this circuit stuff and like almost kind of a little bit CrossFit kind of stuff. And I mean, a lot of it is, and one of the teachers just said something a couple of weeks ago that like really stuck with me. He was like, the reason why we do these sprints on the treadmill or these sprints on the stationary bike, he's like, for people that have anxiety or don't trust themselves, like if you know that you can get to one minute without stopping, like, just trust me that you can do it. Like that helps your mindset for everything that you do. And I love, like, I think that's why I love like circuit workouts because 
they give you a time limit. They don't say we're going to do this exercise or lift these weights for an unlimited amount of time. They say we're doing this four minute block or we're doing this for 30 seconds. And I've really learned to trust to say like, I'm just going to do it and I'm going to put all I can into it. And then when those 30 seconds or four minutes are over, I'm still here. Like I didn't die. I might be really sore. I might, there's days that are better than others, but at the end of the day, it's really about leaving and feeling accomplished. Like whether you had a a great workout or a shitty workout, you feel so good afterwards. And you're like, wow, look what I achieved. (laughs) Oh yeah. No, there's, there's, there's workouts that humble you and all that. There's, I, I, I never thought I was, I'm like, I think like at close to 777 at cycle bar spinning. I, I did that because I, I hurt my knee. Well, it's a torn ACL and PCL unless Jesus Christ himself comes in and touches it. <laughs> I, I get major surgery and I'm out for a year. That was only supposed to be temporary until mm-hmm. I could go out running again. And there it's, not every workout's amazing. There's times that I'm there. I'm like, oh my gosh, five minutes in. And I, I feel like I'm at mass looking at the, the clock saying, you know, when's, when's this going to end? Because, you know, God, the universe and all that wants you to appreciate. Not, nothing's amazing. No, no workout, no 5K, no half, no full. There's, there's always going to be that time that you, you're like, why am I here? Yeah. And that's, and that's when people ask me, what did I get out of running 26.2 miles? What I got out of all those was at mile like 20 through 26, when I, I, I was praying to God like every, every second and I was huffing and puffing <laughs> and I was using every affirmation and I was using the crowd and all that. And I wanted to quit. I, I've, ne- I've never quit. I never DNF, which means did not finish. You know, right. there's times that people on a gurney and people in wheelchairs and and hundred years year olds were passing me to the finish line. <laughs> but I, I use that in business. I use that, and I've I've never quit. You, you know, and there's there's no really there's no failure. The only time you failed in anything is if you never learned from the experience. So yeah, when when what what you and I do is you, you get that mental fortitude, and, and also when you get tired is when the workout really starts because you have to push past your comfort zone, and in success you're not going to get success until you push past that comfort zone. And I mean, you're talking to one of the biggest introverts out there, but you could never know. You 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 would think that I my whole life I was like doing the the Lombada or going, you know, <laughs> go, going to all these keggers and just like, you know, I, I was never, never the guy, you know, I I've done so much work on me that it, it doesn't look that way. I'm we're I'm hitting my 30th anniversary or reunion for high school. Yeah. I graduated in 91. Gosh, time, time's crazy. <laughs> and, you know, I'm, I'm sure people will tell me, well, you know, you've changed or this isn't, I, and granted, really, I'd want to tell them, well, if you haven't grown in 30 years, then, you know, if you peaked in 1991, which I know, I know plenty of people that, that peaked in 1989, 1990, and 91. But I, I always tell people anyways, the, the way I live my life is I wake up today just wanting to be a better version of yesterday. And, and you know, just simple. That, that's how I, I rate success. Absolutely. And I feel like 
you know, talking about the fact that you've changed and you continue to change. Like I'm the same way. I'm, I'm definitely an introvert. And when I was in elementary school, I was so shy. Um, and the only time I wasn't shy was when I I've danced my whole life. And so like when I was in a dance studio or performing, I could perform for a thousand people, but just talking in front of people was always like, I hated to, I was that kid in class that like hated answering teachers questions, hated being called out, like hated people looking at me. Oh, I would sweat. I would sweat. Yeah. I I would sit there and have anxiety. Like, please don't call me. Please don't call me. And it's, it's not that the introvert, like that side of me is gone. It's that I've built skills and tools to overcome some of those fears and, like, you know, now part of my business and part of our business is speaking to large groups and facilitating. And I think, again, going back to being a teacher, being a teacher definitely helped there. Um, but I just think like, if you are, the more that you evolve, your mindset changes for sure. And even just looking back a few years, like when little things at work would happen, I would just like emotionally break down. Cause I was like, Oh, this thing didn't work out or I didn't make this sale or my boss is, you know, mad at me about this. And I would just let it completely destroy me. And I've had a couple of, couple of things that have happened even recently where I looked back at it and I thought, okay, this was a really bad situation. I failed at something, but I was able to pick myself up and learn from it and move on versus like, let it impact me so much. And I think that, you know, just developing resilience and developing an awareness about yourself and knowing like, if I fail, it only makes me better and I'm going to get up and I'm going to prove them wrong. Right. (laughs) Well, you built resilience. It was a muscle. A lot of people just fail and stay there and then use that, that pain and all that to live in his story or her story and want to relive it and tell everybody about it for months, years and, and yeah. hold, hold on to that, like like their their, their pride and joy that th- this failure defined them, and it's it was just a, an experience. If you didn't do great at it or whatever, it wasn't meant to be. Pick yourself up, forget about it. You maybe think about it just to say, "Hey, look how far I've come," and look how oh, far absolutely, right? But and that's why people love to watch movies on redemption, whether it's like Karate Kid and Ross, they love to see the underdog. They love to see the person get up and do it, but they don't do it themselves. They don't realize that they create their own life. They're the right. They're the directors of their own film. It's like, yeah, you love it, but why can't that be you? I, I, I tell that to people all the time. Yeah. And I think that's a really important thing. Like my husband always says, um, and he's so right about this. Like sometimes you'll feel like almost like, um, you know, that imposter syndrome where you think like, I've never done this before. And if I put myself out there, I'm not qualified. And I've done that over the past few years. And he'll sit down and look at me and go, you're successful. You're confident. You're competent. Like that's like 90% better than most people. Most people aren't even willing to try. So why are you down on yourself? And I really appreciate his perspective on that because that's why he's done well in his career. You know, like he just, he knows that even if he doesn't have the experience, he'll figure it out along the way. And most people aren't willing to jump in and try something that maybe they're uncomfortable with, or maybe they are like 80% of the way there on the skill set. but if they just try it, they'll get better. And I, I've really adapted that. And I feel that Melanie and I both, our business is a great example. Like 
we're a small business right now and we know we're going to grow and we're slowly building our client, our client base. And we've even shifted in the past eight months. Like when we first started out together, we're like, well, we've both been in education. A lot of our clients will probably be education, but we didn't let that, we didn't put blinders on to say, we're only going to work with education. We we're very flexible. And it, a lot of it has been word of mouth where we are telling, we're just trying to spread the word and we're telling people, Hey, this is what our skill set is. And this is what we do versus focusing on a specific client or, or specific service. And now eight months later, all of our current clients are nonprofit organizations that need help with event planning, that need help with HR services. And a lot of it are things that yes, we had experience in, but we've had to build our expertise in order to help them. Some of the things that they do, we have, you know, tons of experience with, and we can do it with our eyes closed, but it just goes to show you, like, if you allow your vision to be broad enough to accept change and be willing to shift and say, oh, wow, this is what the need is in the market right now. Like so many people are leaving their jobs that there's companies that have to fill five and six positions. And so we've just sent out proposals and said, Hey, we see that you have this many positions out. If you want some temporary help, we'll help you. And so we've kind of become like fractional, you know, HR reps and fractional um, support. And that's not what we thought we would be doing eight, year, eight months ago. And so we're really proud of the fact that we're just kind of looking at the market, looking at our skill sets and being open to what comes along. And eight months from now, that might be a little bit different too. But also what you, you guys do is... You committed to doing it, and along the way, figure out. Figure yeah, out. exactly. That's, that's that's how you do it. One of the stranger, strangest, one of the weirdest <laughs> things that somebody asked me to do was go on a, a general contractor's podcast for an hour, <laughs> and I'm like, why not? And it went by smooth. It, it went by great and all that. Yeah. And he's like, well, and he said it was one of his best episodes and all that. He's like, no, we know you don't know a thing about building. <laughs> and you still provided value. You provided entertainment and all that. And he's like, just why did you accept it? And I'm like, because why not? You you invited me. Who I I don't know how to build a house. I don't know how to build a building. I'm not a general contractor, but I, I was a leader. I'm an entrepreneur. And you know every every successful industry, you know a leader is a leader. That's why a CEO from one company can go to another industry. Absolutely. And and that's why you know everybody's like. Well, why did Disney World hire this person, or why did this company? Because he's a leader, uh, and you know, if if you can instruct, just like a an instructor, just just like a just like what you guys are, an educator, you know how to inspire, you know how to motivate. Here's the topic. It, it, it's not like what you said, all on the fly in general. Like, yeah, it, it wasn't like hey. On June 20th, this is our whole, uh, you know, th this is what the year's mapped out. No. Right. You have some overarching goals, obviously, to drive you. But a lot of what we've done, too, is just, you know, little steps. So being consistent on social media, 
and making sure that we are releasing one blog post per week. I mean, there are things that it's not completely unstructured where you just say like, let's cross our fingers and hope that we get some clients, but we do enough structured things. And then the rest of the time is, you know, how can we build organic relationships or how can we leverage? Like, we know this person's doing this. Like, how do we, um, you know, pitch ourselves to them so that they see our value. And I think it's just like being willing to be flexible and go with the flow and being confident and also just being okay with, if you went, like you were saying, when you do fail, use it as a learning experience and move on. And you see, there's no preparation. That's why, <laughs> that's why when you said, how do you prepare for, for an episode, how to, how to prepare to be a guest on my episode, yeah. everything was unscripted. It's just like life. It, you know, we, we spoke about everything, entrepreneurship, education. It's just the, you know, when you have connection and we're, we're both, we, we both know how to connect with people. You can talk about everything and anything and, you know, imagination is, it's just like success. You know, when people open up their vision, when people start asking better questions, when they focus on how to get things instead of why they can't, you know, the world, the possibilities are endless. Yeah, definitely. So so, um, where do you see you guys going? So we obviously have some overarching goals. We, We hope to expand our team and go for some larger projects, which would require a larger team. Um, but we're just hoping we're, especially in this market, we're really seeing now that we've done several projects where we're kind of filling in, like I said, in that fractional space, um, we are loving that. And we are really enjoying going to different organizations, bringing our unique perspectives in and helping them solve problems. And that's the piece of it that we love the most. So we're hoping to continue to, you know, work with businesses, um, nonprofits, small businesses, Probably education as well, although right now we don't have education clients, which is funny because that's where we both came from. Um, But we are just hoping to continue to build. And then, as I said, not only are we building our business, but we're also doing some things that are obviously impacting our business, but they're for fun. So we have our podcast. You were a guest last year. Um, We just love connecting with people and we learn so much. Every podcast we've done, it's not about us pitching in pursuit to other people. I mean, they can go to our website if they want to learn more, but we learn so much from each guest and everyone kind of folded in their story and how they got to where they are. And I think you just, you learn a lot. So we're I think on one side, really building the business. And on the other side, we're just opening open to continuously learning and, and just meeting new people along the way. I'm just I'm giving you all my secrets, not this is <laughs> something that I've never told anybody. Uh, all I'm, I'm very, I'm selfish. I'm an only child. So all my podcast guests and all that, it, it's because I want to learn something or yeah. I connect with the, with the person. And or it's just therapy. You know, I just some somebody that had something similar happen to me. And it's yeah. I want to tell my st- part of my story by having the other person tell their story first. And you know what? It's it's amazing the simple fact that other people enjoy it because absolutely we're we're all humans, we're all the same. We we try to pretend we're all complex and all that. It, it's it's like the the great um, hype uh, uh, when it comes to other countries. You know the 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 propaganda that like 
our military, our government always, you know, those people are always, they're different and all that. But all over the world, people, people are pretty much the same. They just want significance. They want to find somebody that loves them. They want to be loved. They want to do right. It doesn't matter what color, what religion, where you're from and all that. And that's, and that's why I know if I want to hear it and if I get value from the episodes, I know plenty of people. Well, now, will I, will I ever have a, a podcast, Jerry Springer-ish or <laughs> Dr. Phil? Because I've had people say, why don't you have ex-girlfriends on or ex-wife? Special, special episodes. Yeah. So it, it, it's like, well, for what what purpose? Or, you know, would, would I ever have my father? I, I never, my mom and dad got divorced before I was born. Never, never met the man. It's like, well, I... I why would I want dysfunction? There's plenty of dysfunction out there. And, and, and I tell people this, dude, if you've noticed, they keep on moving the needle more and more on, on how dysfunctional characters are because just simply we're getting more and more dysfunction. The same amount of dysfunction in movies from the 70s and 80s and 90s pales in comparison to now. And here, you're, you're an educator and all that. Here's a movie, um, Rain Man. When, mm-hmm. when that, first, that movie came out, it was like mind-blowing. Right. And, uh, an autistic person. Now, could you make a movie about just a random guy meets his autistic brother? People right. be like... And, and that's the great thing is that people with autism are more, it's normalized and it's just part of society. So yeah. But, but right. When, when Rain Man came out, right. it was like, oh my God, this is like, we never even knew anything like that was possible and all that. And just yeah. like the normalization, but th- that's a good, good thing. But then there's also the bad stuff. Like when people talk about, and I'll bring up Yellowstone again, because that's what, the, the the water cooler show. Oh, I love Beth and I love this character and I love that character. And it's like, you love that character because they put the characters so over the top with dysfunction because it makes us feel better because it normalizes dysfunction. And you're like, right. yeah, I'm screwed up, but this person's way <laughs> over the top. So I'm, I'm normal. <laughs> well, and I see like back to your comment about the podcast and being selfish and saying like, you know, it kind of, it's like a win-win because you get to talk about what you do and the other person you learn from them, hopefully. But I think that's why Melanie and I both, we record our podcast on Mondays and we are always, no matter if we're like starting off the work, work week wonderfully, or if we're tired or whatever, after we record podcasts, we are both on a high because you are talking to somebody about, you're not talking about drama. You're not talking about negative stuff or politics. And that's all the stuff that we're inundated with, but you're hearing someone's personal story and hearing about how they overcame obstacles or how they got to be where they are and like creative things that they're doing that they design themselves. And like, that's really what it's all about. And so that's why we're trying to exactly enhance that because you don't hear enough about it. Because we're, we're trying to create positive change. All, all three of us can go the bizarre route. I mean, I, I, whenever somebody says, oh, you only have like a hundred views of, of this video, you don't have a million views and all that. Well, I, I'm not doing it with like two naked chicks hanging <laughs> on me. I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, 
uh, a guy that I, I just started watching like a video because a, a buddy tagged me. He, he jumps onto like barbed wire. He does somersaults oh and stuff like that. And he gets like a million views or, or he runs into trash cans and all that. He takes off his shirt and I'm like, so you want, you want me to compare what I'm doing to that guy <laughs> because he has a million views and I don't. It's well, like, and it's, and it, you can't compare because it's definitely two, two different audiences, but that's what we focus on too. And in pursuit, we're like, you know, we are slowly building our following. So do we have a million followers? Absolutely not. But the followers we do have are hopefully have been inspired by something that we've posted or have been previous clients or our friends or family members. And we want to continue to organically grow that. Like, a lot of celebrities that have a million followers, half of their followers are there just to see what they're going to do next because they're going to hate on them. And like, you know, that's not what you want either. Like we want people that are wanting to be part of the, the movement that we're in and focus on impact and outcomes and moving forward. So I think there's a lot of different ways to look at it. And a lot of, we're, we've been conditioned to say like, well, how many likes did I get? Or how many followers do we have? And you know, it's great to, to gain a larger following, but we want to do it the right way. We're not going to do it by jumping off a building. <laughs> we're, we're not members of the Jersey Shore on TV. We're, we're not the Kardashians. And, you know, it, it, yeah, if, if Carol, Star, Carol Baskins, your neighbor, started doing a podcast and all that, she would have half the people hating on her saying you, you killed whomever the dude's name was or, or you know, free Joe Exotic. And you'd have you'd have her her followers and all that, but what 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 is it that could she she possibly help society with? What 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 would it be? Would would somebody be like, oh gee, thanks, Carol. You know what? Uh, I was just sitting on the sidelines my whole life, and that inspiring that 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 inspiring podcast on big cats and cool kittens. It, it just really got me. To, to doing a career change and, and thank you. No, I mean, <laughs> it, it, we're, we're doing the dirty work, but we're not doing it for the, the kudos. We're, we're not doing it for the likes. I, I, I hit 5,000 um, downloads last week. Oh, that's so, awesome. Yeah. And, and yeah, the, the haters and we, we all have them. That, that means we're doing something positive. I, I, I have people that, that will say, Hey, you, you have a fat face. I had a hater say, I should drive for Uber. I had a hater say, you know, who am I to write a book? Or, you know, I'm, I'm just full of crap with everything and all that. Because it's easier to destroy than, than it is to create. Yeah. Oh, it, it totally is. And going back to what you said about just evolving and changing, like, I'm sure when you go back to your 30-year reunion, I, there's going to be people that they don't want to see you succeed. And a lot of times it's because it has nothing to do with you. It all has to do with them. Like people that are hating on other people, that means that they're taking the time, the same time that we all have 24 hours in a day. And they're choosing to prioritize to write negative comments on Facebook or respond like that to you. And so I just think it's interesting. Like the more we've each evolved as a person, the more people that you see, like that really don't want to see you succeed, which is so interesting. Oh, it, it's crazy. And in fact, I, I had, I had to do some soul searching because at one time being nostalgia and all that, I, I had to date somebody from my past and all that. And she never wanted to, to see me succeed. 
And it had nothing to do with me. It also has to do with the fact maybe that person didn't feel worthy. If that person's so successful, who am I? Or also, hey, my baby daddy, my ex-husband only does this. I want him to be at the same level. And it's crazy because in the grand scheme of things, we have family, we have friends, we have people that we grew up with that don't want to see you thrive. And it has nothing to do with you. Absolutely. It, it, it all has to deal with the inner stuff that happened, the emotional scars, their past and all that. Mm-hmm. Say, let's all just stay in one place. That's the one thing that I've learned. Absolutely. I I can completely relate to that. And I don't know about you, but for me, when I, that just drives me to do more when I have someone say like, I can't believe you've changed or you guys aren't going to be able to do that or any of those kind of comments. I always just turn it around and I'm like, Oh, I will do it. (laughs) I'm going to be amazing. I'm I'm the most stubborn person. (laughs) It's like, thank you for telling me that. Yeah. it's not like you, you didn't wound me. You're, you're making me thrive. That's uh, my, my social media is public. And if somebody takes a shot, I'll, I'll leave it. And, you know, I'll I'll have people, Hey, why, why do you let that person talk? Or why do you do that? Or, and it's like, because they're, they're giving me rocket fuel. They're giving me jet fuel. And it was like, just like that, that woman from the past and all that, that I dated for a short time. Yeah, she. I, I could have done two things. I could have accepted it, and yeah, you're right. I'm. I'm not all that. Or two, it, it's such a huge impact on me. It's still like her voice is inside my head. Who Who are you to write a book? You should do this. You should do that. And it's like, and everybody, all the naysayers, everybody that says I can't or I shouldn't. It's like. Thank you. Because exactly every time I'm lazy, every time I want to spend a whole month of just catching up on Ozark and Stranger Things and all that, it's you guys that that inspire me. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So, So what's what's the best way to reach you guys on social media? Websites. I know you guys have blogs. You you guys, you you guys are like. I, I would have to say you guys are the octopus because you guys have arms going everywhere. The blog. It's funny because, and the, by the way, I love them. I, I, I love your content. I'm glad. I, I, I love, I love the interviews. Uh, you know, it, I, and we're like-minded people. I, I, I want you to know I invited you not because reciprocation, because <laughs> I, I've been on so many that you know you're you're one of only like three out of like thirty something, and it's because we well, honored <laughs> and, and we, we're on the same path and we're on the same mission. But how, yeah. how how do we how do we how do we get all this information? How how do we hire? the doctor and how do we hire you? (laughs) And and more importantly, how do we find you guys? Yeah. So on social media, we are in pursuit research. So on Instagram and Facebook, um, we also have a LinkedIn business page that is in pursuit. 
Um, and then our website is inpursuitresearch.org. And that's where you can find, um, we have a weekly blog. We have a lot of content that we've done. Um, Melanie is also a writer. So she has, um, she's a Forbes writer and she has some articles there. And we have a lot of content that's coming out soon. So whether you're interested in partnering with us for organizational excellence consulting, or even just learning some tips about education and business, we have all of our content on our website. And if you want to listen to any old episodes, yours truly is on the Becoming Congruent podcast. And I'm, I'm sure yes. I'll, be, I'll be invited to the In Pursuit research. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks, thank you for bringing that up. So we, um, like I was telling you before the podcast, we used to have two podcasts and we were like, why don't we combine these? Everyone's been amazing. And there's lots of parallels. So we used to have two, they were called dissecting education. And then the other one was becoming congruent. And we didn't just get rid of those and start a new one, but we merged the best aspects of those into one. And so you can still find all of our previous episodes on our website, or you can follow the In Pursuit podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. And they're great episodes. I, I listen to them. So, awesome. and, so yeah, great job and all that. And one last question that I always ask everybody, not, not because my publicist, not because my producer, but really my aunt was the first one. And so that you see that I'm, I'm just dropping secrets and all that <laughs> on how, how, how to make my episodes better. My mom doesn't listen, but my aunt's a huge fan. And what's your definition of just the meat of, you know, the sentence, what if it did work? My definition of what if it did work? And I'm telling the expert, so I'm a little bit on the spot. <laughs> you got your... I, you got I, your I'm, I'm a student. Merch. I'm trying to perfect, perfect <laughs> it every single day. <laughs> I love it. Um, I think my definition is pretty simple. So as we were talking about, um, a lot of people don't take a first step in something that they want to do, whether it's a business or a hobby or just something that they desire to do inside. And so I think asking yourself the question, what if it did work and looking and visualizing what that could look like, but not only just dreaming about it, then creating a plan and taking a step towards that, whether it's just little steps every day or creating a, you know, just an overarching plan. I think for me, that's what it is. And that's really what we've done to create our business. We had a conversation very similar where we said, what if, what if we did this? What if we left our jobs and, and did this? And it's working. So I think that would, that's what my definition would be. Well, I'm honored and thank you for spending the opportunity with me and all that. Rachel is the best thing from Tampa. <laughs> Carol Haskins in the Big Cat Sanctuary. <laughs> All right. No, no, I mean it. Thanks. And I'll, Thank I'll, you always so much. Praise, I'll always praise you for all the workouts that you do and all that. Love your content. <laughs> Keep on being the change and all that. And thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for the time. Thank you so much. I never told no one that. My whole life I've been holding back. Every time I load my gun up so I can shoot for the stars. I hear a voice like, who do you think you are? Negative thoughts come to mind when I start thinking bold. Like, why you chasing dreams? Aren't you getting kind of old? 
Woo. I knew I needed help. I had no self-confidence, didn't believe in myself. I tried not to feel or listen to my intuition to start a business. But before I even started, I feel like it's finished. You got a vision. And let me say, I don't care if they're your blood, got the same DNA. They can't feel how you feel. They can't see what you see. Wanna change your life, you gotta change the way you think. The thoughts in your mind is the boss of your life. Nothing but good vibes every day. I'm thinking like, what if it did work? What if you took action and made it happen and started living inside of your purpose? What if it did work? Right now you can make the choice to never listen to that negative voice no more. The hardest prison to us. Is our own mind. I was trapped inside that prison all for a long time. To make it happen, you gotta take action. Just imagine what if it did work.